Wonderful. Thank you, Mickey. And uh, can, I, can I please encourage you, go and have that conversation. Uh, we are always looking for people that have that heart to get alongside, become a part of our team, and maybe God's stirring your heart today. Maybe this is something actually God's already been stirring, and this is a confirmation that God wants you to take a step. God often works that way. He's already stirring our hearts, and then this, then something like this comes along. Please come and have a chat, um, and we would love to chat with you about how we can be a part of it. And Mickey, we would love to get you back, and actually, we'll give you a full sermon next time. <laughs> um, we are in the middle of a series at the moment, which is why we couldn't, uh, we couldn't do the full sermon this time, but you are definitely coming back, and you can share even some more stories in the not-too-distant future and uh, go again. But uh, we are continuing our series 10, and I promise you I'm not preaching a full sermon this morning, so uh, it was so good to have you share. Thank you. We so appreciate that. Now, these messages have been inspired by a book called 10 by J. John. Um, last week, we talked about the difference between uh, covetousness and contentment. And uh, we're discovering that these commandments that God gave us, the Ten Commandments, are not to restrict us, but to protect us. How many parents have set boundaries for your children because you know that it's going to be good for them to protect them? We do that, don't we? Because we desire for our children to be kept safe. Well, God gave us these Ten Commandments so that we would know how to live, how to love Him, how to love others. And so these are not restrictions. This is actually freedom for us to live in the fullness so that we would have life in its fullness. So today we pick up on the ninth commandment, which we know as do not lie, but probably we've shortened it for the sake of remembering it. But the actual commandment is, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, Exodus 20, verse 16. Maybe you've heard this said before, or maybe you've said it before. The check is in the mail. I'll start my diet tomorrow. I didn't see the email or text. Honey, when you ask the question, do I look big in this? I think in those moments, plead the fifth. It's okay. You can. Just silence is golden sometimes. Uh, how about this one? This questionnaire will only take two minutes of your time. Uh, this won't hurt a bit, says the doctor. Um, I'll pray for you. Ouch. Any of these phrases sound familiar? Any we've used before? Which of these lies are acceptable? <laughs> The, t- the ninth commandment tackles the whole issue of truth versus lies. And for the sake of remembering the covenant, we've probably shortened it to do not lie. But as a church, we are committed to loving God and loving people. So our testimony towards each other and with each other is so vital, so important. The way we speak, the way we treat one another, the way we talk about others. But where did the lies begin? Well, we go right back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will surely die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What a promise, if that were to be true. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. Very important we note that he was with her. He puts a bit of blame on the woman, but he was right there. When she was sampling that fruit, he could have said something, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together 
and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and the, his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God, as though you can, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Was he looking for a location? Had he lost Adam and Eve? Was he unsure of their whereabouts? No. <laughs> Come on. Where's our heart? Where's our relationship? Where's our connection? Where have you gone? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Yes, said it. No, he didn't. The man said, the woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. It was her fault, right? So like a male, isn't it? <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, what is, it this you, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Would you pray with me this morning as we tackle truth versus lies? Father, we thank you that we don't have to work out what is truth or not. We thank you that you give us truth. You are truth as we will discover today. And your truth truly does set us free. God, I pray we would be people that would, would live within the hard reality, the tough reality that truth will always be the right outcome, as painful as it might be. And Lord, for those that are wrestling with lies at the moment, those that are living a lie, living, living with, with areas of deception within their lives, Father, we pray, Holy Spirit, for your power, for your strength, for your courage, to make the right decision, to make things right, to live and walk in the truth that sets us free. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this story that we've just read illustrates the problem with humanity and, and the, the beginning of the exchange of God's truth for a lie. And a quick walk through the history of God's people would say that the, the deception continued on right throughout humanity. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin. And they cover, they lie to cover it up. Genesis 4, Cain, he kills Abel. And then lies, am I, am I my brother's keeper? Am I? Genesis 20, Abraham, the father of faith, lies about Sarah, his wife, saying that, he was his, that she was his sister so that he would not get in trouble. Again, the man blaming, lying. This pattern is passed down to the next generation as well. Then Jacob, his mother tells, uh, in Genesis 27, um, Jacob and his mom tell a series of lies in order to deceive the father in order to get the birthright from the older brother. Laban lies to Jacob, gives him the wrong wife. Now, that was some kind of a mistake, that one. I still think he probably would have noticed, but anyway. Lies and deception fill the Old Testament. And even into the New Testament, we see some lies and deception. In the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a piece of land, a property, and they bring a portion of the sales to the apostles. When they asked, is this all that you got from the sale? They said, yes, it is. Now, if they'd just said, no, this is about 20% of the profits from our sale, that would have been okay. But the very fact that they lied about what they gave, the result of that was death. Wouldn't life be interesting if every lie we told ended up in death? <laughs> no, I'm not here. Who's still in church this morning? <laughs> I think we'd, we'd, we'd all face, and in reality, we do face death because the wages of sin is death. And if we lie, that's sin. And sin results in death. 
Thankfully, there is some good news, and we're going to come to that good news very soon. I believe truth versus lies in Scripture hits the pinnacle in John with Pilate. He's questioning Jesus. I think Pilate liked Jesus. I don't think Pilate actually wanted to crucify Jesus. I think there was something in Pilate that says, this is a good man. But there's, a, there's a, this question when Jesus speaks about truth. There's this question in John 18, 38 that I think is on the lips of most people today. What is truth? And we've got people that are building their own reality of truth based on feelings, emotions, what's going on in society. And we, and we think, this is my truth. You can't take my truth from me. There is no absolute truth, which is a beautiful absolute statement. My truth, my reality. And, and, and so Pilate asks this question, what is truth? And then standing in front of Jesus, who is, as we'll discover, the truth, couldn't recognize the truth in front of him. And he did what society is doing with Jesus. He goes in and he washes his hands. I don't want anything to do with this truth because this truth is too confronting. This truth means that I might have to sacrifice some of my feelings and my emotions in order to live right. But I believe that we need the truth of God in our very core and fiber of who we are. That when people walk with, the, with us, walk alongside us, they would say, this is a man and a woman of integrity. Their yes is their yes, their no is their no. And I believe this is a generation, a time where the truth needs to be lived out and walked out, not just spoken in our actions and the way we treat one another. The amazing thing is that it wasn't those who were uneducated or foolish in Jesus' time that crucified him. It was those who were educated, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the highly religious people of the day. These were smart people who didn't, couldn't, couldn't handle the truth, couldn't handle the reality of who Jesus was. And don't think for a minute that we would have been any different. Often we can look back and we could say, ah, if I was there, I would have responded differently. I wouldn't have denied Jesus. I don't know. I, I deny him far too many times in my lifetime to believe that I would not be any different. We don't deny them with our actions and our thoughts and the way we live our lives. But there is a grace, friends, that is given to us to come back day after day, moment after moment, failure after, after failure, back into his presence again. We've all gone off and set our own path. Isaiah says this, Isaiah 53, all of us like sheep, doesn't speak very highly of sheep, but all of us like sheep have strayed away. But there's something about sheep because sheep, true sheep, know the shepherd. They are to be led by the shepherd. We should be ones that would say, lead on, we'll follow. Like sheep have gone astray, we have left God's paths to follow our own. Come on, how, many's carved, how many of you have carved your own path? How many of us have carved our own path? Gone in a direction we shouldn't. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. But truth doesn't disappear simply because I don't believe in it. Just like gravity, truth exists whether we like it or not. If I said, no, I renounce gravity. I'm just going to fall on my face and hover. How many people would like to see that play out of my faith? (laughs) Thanks, Crystal. I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm not because we probably need to finish this, this message, but. Even if I don't believe gravity exists, it still does. And if I fall, I will fall 
with my pride right to the ground, truth still remains. But I believe in this commandment, do not lie or do not give false testimony against your neighbor. It's the little things that actually make a big difference. Sometimes it's not the big things, it's actually the very little things. It's the, the consistency with your word, the way we live our lives. Um, over my lifetime, I've played football to you know, quite a high level. Um, haven't gone full professional, but kind of semi um, you know, uh, for National League. And so I've played football all of my life. And one of my downsides, but probably the positive side, is there's, there's an integrity in the way I play. Um, I get told off continually by coaches saying, stop being so honest. So the ball would come off me and the referee gives a throw to the other team. I'd say, no, nah, it was off me. Chuck the ball back to the other team. they play on. And, and, and coaches are just like, ah, stop it. But that's who I am. That's who I've decided to be. That's how I'm coaching my, my team now with integrity. I'm not, just, I'm not just coaching boys. I'm raising men as I'm teaching them in places of integrity. And I, I really believe, I mean, there've been moments where at training that there's been a, you know, I've gone in for a challenge. We've both hit the ball at the same time and I'm pretty confident the ball's mine. I'm like, mine? And, and so, so these are people that don't come to church and often they'll just say, I'm going with a pastor on that one. I'm like, all right, cool. If that, I'm, I'm glad that it may be in your eyes. That's, that's a good thing. Because maybe in some eyes, the pastor is not a good thing. But I think we can, in those little, little things, those little moments, those are the moments that actually matter. I think we've all embellished a story. Preachers, we're guilty of that. Telling it slightly different to what it was. It's a massive temptation just to share 90% of the story, right? I'll give you 90% of the truth, but I'll hold that back. Come on, parents, we know how that works. One's crying, the other one's crying, and they both give separate versions of the story. You know, why is he crying? Nothing, I didn't do anything. Leave out the part of where they hit them or pulled the hair or did that. We, we conveniently, as adults, also leave out 10%. When we're offended at someone, we, we're struggling with unforgiveness, and this person's done this to me, and this person's done this to me, and did you do anything to them? Just don't bring that into the conversation. Let someone else discover that, right? What if we were to live by truth? What if we were to live by 1 Corinthians 13, 6? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Come on, let's rejoice with the truth. So this morning, I want to look at two traps we must avoid and two decisions with God's help we must choose on the journey of being a disciple of Jesus. First bit four to avoid. Be aware of the power of the tongue. James 3.8 talks about the tongue as a restless evil full of deadly poison. You know, the tongue can do incredible damage. A man in the Middle Ages went to, to the local monk uh, just, just saying, look, I've got to confess that I've been gossiping about other people. What do I do? And the monk says, I want you to take a bag of feathers and I want you to go and put a feather on the doorstep of every single home in the village. Spends a whole day putting a feather on every single doorstep. Comes back the next day, now what I would do? He says, I want you to go collect all the feathers. He says, that's impossible. The wind will have picked it up and blown them all away. He says, that's the same with our words. When they're out there, they're out there. It's like that, that toothpaste tube that's so good to squeeze out. But you try getting it back in that tube. Once it's out, it's very hard to get it back in. One proverb I heard, don't speak unless you can improve the silence. I just like that so much. Do you know the wisest people I know 
don't say a lot. Hugh Stringelman's one of those men. I'm so blessed to have him on our local leadership team. Doesn't say much, but man, when he speaks, I'm like, all ears, please speak. (laughs) I'm listening. See, wisdom isn't a constant babbling. Wisdom will come in gentle, short, sharp bursts if we would be prepared to listen. The second pitfall to avoid is we need to remember the price of lying. There's a cost when we lie. Abraham Lincoln once said, no one has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. (laughs) How true is that statement? You know, the classic script for a Hollywood movie, right? One of those comedies is somebody is aspiring to greatness and they they make a couple of decisions along the way and then they probably have to tell a lie to get the girl or or whatever it is and, 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 and lie after lie, covering up lie after lie to the point where about 57 minutes into the movie, it all unravels. And then there's this brokenness, which may or may not be restored when somebody finally commits to living by the truth. And then they realize that at the end of it, if they'd just spoken the truth right from the start, now that would probably sum up most Hollywood scripts, right? But how many times have we told a lie in order to get out of the other lie? Anyone ever worked for somebody who you just know and sense they're just continually lying? I worked for someone once and every time they, they, they just kind of covered one lie with another lie. I, I just began to lose complete trust in them as a person and as a leader. Found it very hard to, to actually serve them and faithfully work for them because it just felt like every lie was being covered by another lie. And it's one of the things that as, a, as, as parents we are so strong on about telling the truth. We've said to our children, it doesn't matter how much trouble you're in. You're going to make some mistakes, and you might even make some big mistakes. Come and tell us first. Because if you tell us first, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a great big hug, and we're probably going to have a big cry together. And I'm going to thank you for being honest, and then we're going to work it out together. Because one day that's going to happen. And how am I going to handle it? How am I going to respond? And I don't want my kids to think that they can't come and talk to the biggest supporter in strength. But we've got to make a commitment to telling the truth. And I like the fact that my kids don't know how to lie anyway. Just, just one, one good hard. And they crumble. It's like, awesome, awesome. They haven't learned how to lie, which is good. It's really, really good. So a couple of things we can do as the team come this morning, uh, in order for us to live a life of truth and integrity. Number one, be honest in all your dealings. Be honest in all your dealings. Instead of covering up, blaming others, sweeping things under the carpet, we've got to become more open. There's some things that are okay to keep secret, like your PIN number. That's probably a good idea. Your medical data, you can keep that to yourself. But in most things, being honest will make a difference. And honesty, living and that place of integrity is so freeing. I don't know about you, but when there's an addiction that you're wrestling with, it's broken, breaking you, holding on to that, staying in that place of darkness, it, it just ties you up in knots. I've been there. I've been in that place where that deception inside of me, I couldn't share, I couldn't open up, I couldn't talk about it. And I just went deeper and deeper and deeper into darkness until finally I said, hey, I've got a problem. I shared it with somebody and we prayed together and we, we found freedom together. I've got to make a commitment and it's the hardest. The hardest thing is that I've got a problem. I'm not doing so well. 
But I'll tell you what, when you find that right person to share that with, that problem that had the power over you, all of a sudden that power is broken because there's an accountability and now there's somebody walking the journey with you. Luke 8, 17, we're told, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. One day we're going to have to give an account for the words that we've spoken. Let's not wait for the final curtain call to be really honest with God. Second thing is we need to be an encourager. Rather than telling lies and gossiping about others, let's find moments to build people up. Come on, be the person that people go, oh, I'm so glad that that Hudson's walked into the room. Because every time Hudson walks into the room, I just feel like I can go and walk on water. Because he's just such an encourager. And that's true about Hudson. If you've ever had a conversation with him, he'll build you up. He'll speak life into you. Let's be that person. You know, Winston Churchill once found himself embroiled in a conversation with a fellow MP. He says, Mr. Churchill, you are drunk. He says, that may be true. But in the morning I'll be sober and you'll still be ugly. Just because we think it, it doesn't mean we should speak it. J. John in his book, he says, uh, he uses the acrostic think, T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? So before we speak, let's consider, is it true? Am I, am I embellishing something? Am I telling a lie? Am I passing on gossip that I don't know the full truth about? Will it help? Me opening my mouth and bringing words into this conversation, will I help it or will I add fuel to the fire? I, is it inspiring or important? In other words, will I bring life to the situation or am I just going to bring it down? Is it necessary? You know what I'm learning as a 44-year-old middle-aged man? I don't have to say everything. I have seen so many things move in the last six months when I just took it to prayer. I just took it to prayer. I just wrote it down and said, God, I want to see a breakthrough in this area. If it's meant to be, you move that mountain. And time and time and time and time again, it moved because I took it to prayer. Come on, we need to pray more than we speak, I think, sometimes. Let's pray more than we complain about a situation. If we're complaining about a situation and we're not praying about it, and lastly, is it kind? Okay, is it kind? <laughs> what I'm saying is it actually kind? Because I can speak truth, but it can be nasty in the way I deliver it. It can be laced with all sorts of offense and unforgiveness. And I've taught myself a new way of dealing with conflict, the hard way. <laughs> the first few times I was angry, I was frustrated, and I went in and I was going to win that battle. And I broke the person and I broke the relationship. Here's my new rule. Before I'm about to deal with a confrontation with somebody, I ask the question, do I love them? No. (laughs) So I don't have that conversation. I pray. You know, I had to go about 10 days once before I could have that conversation with someone because I didn't like them. I kept praying for them, kept praying for them, kept praying for them, kept praying for them. And then one morning I woke up and went, I don't hate them anymore. I'm not upset at them anymore. Actually, I'm seeing them the way God sees them now. Okay, I'm ready for my conversation. And I went in and the conversation went so much better than if I went in angry. 
And in that prayer time, guess what? I found out that I was at fault too. Oh no. Because sometimes I could be wrong. In fact, most of the time I've got a good part to play in it. Let's be real. Let's be honest. So we go in with that kindness. And if in doubt, filter it through Scripture. Pass it through. When you're about to have this conversation, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then you filter what you want to say and go, "Mm, you know what? That doesn't have to be said. When I make a commitment to add value to every person I speak to, there is no place for gossip. See, if I've got an issue with someone, the Bible says I go to them and I make things right with them. And I try and restore relationship. I don't have to talk about anybody else's stuff to anybody else. I hate gossip with a passion. I just hate it. Just destroys so much. I see so many workplaces and relationships that are just broken because of gossip that's unchecked. Here's a good thing. You can, you can use this if you like. If I'm not a part of the problem, I'm not a part of the solution, then I'm not a part of this conversation. You just bring that into conversation. Hey, can I tell you about such and such? Hey, you're right. Am I a part of the problem? Will I be a part of the solution? I can be if you'd like me to. We can go and talk with this person together and we can make things right. No? Okay. Well, I'd rather not be a part of the conversation. I'll just excuse myself from that. Or we go, oh no, tell me. <laughs> oh, oh, sounds juicy. Come on. As tempting as those morsels are, they, they, they lead to death. when we make a commitment to add value to people, when we see people as God sees them, then we're going to be a people who are encouragers and speak life over each other. This morning as we close, yeah, for many people, the decision to live a life of integrity and honor starts with knowing the one who is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We can't live by a moral standard if we don't know the person who set it and put it in place. Maybe today you've never made a commitment to follow Christ, to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow your way, your truth, and experience your life. I'm going to pray a prayer right now, a prayer asking God to forgive us of our sin, that sin that separates us from a relationship with God and allows us to walk into a new relationship, forgiven, made new, with a hope for our future. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer? Asking God to forgive you, repenting, turning from your old way of living and living a new life and the freedom of eternal life that God offers us today. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. And If that's you, you just pray this prayer in your heart or you can pray it out loud with us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I turn from my old way of living I receive your gift of grace. I receive your forgiveness. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, eye closed. If you prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you, help you take your next step. And on the count of three, if that's you, why don't you just raise your hand up nice and high. I'm going to see your hand and you can pop it back down again. We're going to get a Bible into your hand. Going to help you take your next step. Following Jesus, walking with him. So right now, right across this place, one, God loves you. Two, 
He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. If that's you, you pray that prayer. Three, raise it up nice and high so I can see it. Anyone here this morning? Father, thank you that we get to be people who live by your truth. Jesus, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. Lord, we commit our hearts and our lives to you again today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you.